episode 31 of Strange Brow Radio. I'm your host, Tobe Johnson. Here we are again. Thank you for tuning in. And now, not only an audio experience, but a visual one. Go on YouTube, and bit by bit, I'm uploading the archived episodes that you can find on iTunes and Podbean. Let's start with YouTube. I think we got seven up in the Tasmanian Tiger one with Neil Waters and Alex Evans. I am uploading now, so... Alert yourself with a little bell on YouTube. Subscribe, rate, review, all that. That's how you can help out the show. And soon, next, oh so soon, the Patreon experience. Added episodes and video content. And it's going to be a lot of fun. The video especially, I'll tell you more in a second. But thank you to our sponsor, Feral by Aaron at Etsy.com. E-R-Y-N is how you spell it. All one word. Check out Shaman-inspired spirit tools. And now, Woodwatcher. Type that in to Etsy. Wood Watcher. Those are, I guess we'd call them spirit faces. Order yourself one of those. New ones up every week at Wood Watcher on Etsy. Okay, from the Point Casino, that's what we're doing today. Our episode with Ron Moorhead. Oh, it's a good one. And we have some news for you. We'll be right back. As I said, Ron Moorhead is one of our guests today. We sat down at the Point Casino in Kingston, Oregon for a book signing. Ron is also an accomplished author of such books as The Sierra Sounds, of course you know that, Quantum Bigfoot, and Voices in the Wilderness. And then we had his Sasquatch replica, Biggie, who's consequently for sale. If you go to the Point Casino in Kingston, Washington, get your picture with Biggie and... If you want to shoot me an email at strangebrow or strangebrowradio at gmail.com and you need your own Bigfoot, get in touch with me. We can talk just how that might happen. Also, we had director Ron Meyer of such films as Chasing Bigfoot and Alien Bigfoot, a documentary that I worked on with him. Ron worked on Nick Pope, I think, was a part of this. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, Stanton Freeman. It went on and on. Nick Redfern. Um, Yeah, a lot of people were part of this this documentary, I think it's going to be on Amazon called Alien Bigfoot. Ron Meyer stops by the table. Also, a Native American carver who I just ran into. We had a live booth there after all. Yeah, that'll happen. Uh, a, a wood carver. We had something in common automatically. His name's Craig Jacob Brown, and he's got one hell of a black magic story. All right, as I said, also, while I was even there at the Kingston Casino... I was downloading on YouTube. This is your chance to not only have an audio experience, but how easy it just to get on YouTube. I get it. You need that option, and now you have it. But it's archived episodes, and they take forever to download. So I think I'm uploading right now or downloading. I'm loading. <laughs> I got to load, okay? <laughs> the Tasmanian Tiger episode, if you haven't heard that one, with Neil Waters right from the back. That was a horrible accent. And Alex Evans, artist Alex Evans. You'd know her if you know anything about cryptids. She's also into protecting the thylacine, the other highfalutin name for the Tasmanian tiger, which absolutely still exists. After talking to Neil, I have no choice but to believe him. So that uh, that's going to be on YouTube this afternoon as well. Then we'll just move on down from episode 8, 9, 10, all the way down. Okay, what's going on here? What's the news? I have some news. We canceled our October 
mummy costume party in Cottage Grove, Oregon, because we got one heck of... Well, I wanted to say upgrade, but I love the accent fiddle. But man, it's an upgrade. Okay, it's an upgrade. We got one hell of an upgrade. Sometimes that happens to the Manresa Castle in Port Townsend, Washington. This is your chance to join us in a in a haunted castle. All right. If you know anything about, uh, gosh, Ghost Adventure shot an episode there. It's been on every network, travel channel. A lot of people have come in and out to experience the haunted rooms at Manresa Castle. It's every bit of a castle. It looks, it smells, and it acts like a haunted castle in Port Townsend, Washington. Now's your chance to do it. If you want to book a ticket to stay the night there, you got to do it now. It's October 25th and 26th. Now, the October 25th show, which is the free live podcast that we're calling Podcastle Live... I know. I came up with it. Podcastle Live is going to happen October 25th from 7 to 11 p.m. Free show. You don't have to stay the night to show up and leave if you want, but you got to make it to Port Townsend, Washington. Lots of Airbnb options, but I'd stay at the hotel. If you want to book a room for that night, you got to call the hotel itself. Type in Manresa Castle, M-A-N-R-E-S-A, Castle. And just type it into Google. Book a room for the 25th. But if you want to book a room for my birthday, which is also going to be the Port Townsend Storm the Castle costume masquerade craziness on October 26th, which is Saturday night, the next night, uh, you have to book the hotel room a little differently. And this is how you do it. If you want to get, get in the door which I believe is $10. You can just walk in the door on the 26th, which is Saturday. Don't need a room. Just buy the ticket. And if you want to book a room and get a ticket, well, this is the same address. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to type in thecastlenpt.com. That's thecastlenpt.com. I-N-P-T, as in the castle in porttownsend.com. What's on that website is what's available. There are still rooms available, but now that we're going to announce this, and Ron Moorhead is a part of this, and Sarah Nash is a part of this, and uh, Barb Shoup is a part of this, it's going to get busy. Um, They're all coming, staying for a couple nights. So you want to do this. Ron's going to be one of the guests, uh, along with uh, Sarah Nash of Port Townsend, psychic medium Sarah Nash, who worked at the Manresa Castle at the front desk, knows all about the history of Port Townsend, the dark history, and about the ghost, which ghost, and a time traveler. She believes that there's time travelers coming and going out of the hotel. She's got one hell of a story. And Ron Moorhead lived in Port Townsend. So we're taking Ron away from the comforts of the woods and putting him in, well, a haunted castle. He's got all sorts of ghost stories, UFO stories, and with a voice like Ron's, who could tell a better ghost story than Ron Moorhead? So, UFOs, ghosts, cryptids, time travelers, and Barb Shoup. We're going to talk about the cloaking video and break that down. If you don't know anything about uh, invisibility or cloaking being something caught on video, just imagine Schwarzenegger and the Predator. That thing had some kind of cloaking tech. Is that what's going on? This is what people are describing. And Barb was lucky enough to grab a video of it. We'll have some surprises there. This is on the 25th. 
from 7 to 11 p.m. But all these folks are staying there. Costume party the 26th. All right? Rewind the episode if this is too confusing and listen to it again. Or shoot me an email if you're completely confused at strangebrowradio at gmail.com. Don't forget to go on iTunes and Podbean and check out our sponsors. All right, capiche, everyone's got it, everyone's happy, perfect, I love you too. All right, our first guest from the Point Casino Hotel in Kingston, Washington. All right, we're on. Hey, we are here with Craig Jacob Brown at the Point Casino who stopped by the Biggie table. We'll call it the Biggie table where we talk all things, not only Sasquatch, but paranormal, supernatural-based conversation. With a pint of what I suspect is probably an IPA. You have no IPA in your hand. No, I've been at a private party where it's been, you know, a open bar. So okay, a couple, couple drinks, but that's right. all I. I did. Doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything to me. So the uh, I guess we would call it the beginning of our conversation here was you just swinging by the table and I said I bet you have a story I bet you've been blown away by something extraordinary and you said indeed I have tell us about it well I <clears throat> okay this goes way back but uh, it's blown me away um, when I was 22 and I'm in my 50s uh, I uh, so this is years ago was really strong the the culture of black magic and how the people of Bali, Indonesia, tune into the power of black magic. They also tune into the power of white magic. But um, at least these guys in the village that I moved to, I lived in a village in Bali, Indonesia. Um, and I lived in a, a small compound where most compounds are sort of open gates with places where people can sleep. And um, the compounds are, are made so that everyone can sleep in these areas, but the spirits can come into these areas too. And when I say black magic, I'm talking about spirits that are gonna roam through the village free. And the man who was the head of the compound where I lived, he knew that it was, his, it was his job to bless the compound before he left and uh, make sure that it was safe for everyone who was going to be there at home. So uh, he, uh, he would leave occasionally, and I'd, I asked him one time, the head of the compound where I live, I said, well, where are you going at night? And he said, well, I have a prayer group that I go to, and it's a, it's a prayer. You're Christian, aren't you? And I went, well, yeah, I, I'm from America. Yeah, I, I've been to a lot of Christian stuff. And, and he said, well, you know, we have Christians too. And uh, I said, well, I'd like to see it sometime. So I went with him to a prayer circle. And it had Christians and Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus and everything. And um, so I went and learned to pray in their style. I felt really good to be able to find out how that was run. And one time when I came home with him, when we got close to his compound, there was the whole village outside. And, uh, and one of his daughters was sobbing uncontrollably. We had even heard her screaming right. as 
we came home and we heard, and she had calmed down by the time we arrived. And she was just, <laughs> and uh, he took over and kind of calmed her down and brought her back in and the village got, got to go home. And I asked my teacher later, who was his, his brother-in-law, I said, what was going on last night? I have no idea. And he said, well, you know, you're the leader of your compound, my brother-in-law. He doesn't really bless the house the way he needs to because you could tell the evil spirits, they got in. That black magic took over in your, in your compound. Really? While you were gone last night. In fact, that, that man was with me. We were all there. And, he, and clearly, my leader of my compound had just forgotten to do the prayers. So I went, oh, okay, that's, uh, this was the first time I had seen that this was what was going on. Right. Well, I don't know. I kept going to the prayer circle. I kept being involved with the culture. I, I learned more. I'd talk with, with everyone about what was going on. And one night at around 11 o'clock, uh, I, I thought, okay, I'm going to go to bed. And I went to bed, and, and um, I was lying down in my little bed in the in the compound right and i started shivering like i couldn't believe i heard people throughout the compound going ah, ah, like screaming uh, i mean like uh, uh, breathing heavily and going ah, oh, oh, and and i heard crazy things going on all around me as i shivered and sweat i couldn't sleep uh, it seemed like everyone in the compound was going crazy and I didn't sleep for two or three hours I was I, I didn't feel like I could get out of bed I was right I was just my muscles would half the time be like rigor mortis right and the rest of the time I was sweating right and, and then at about uh, three hours into it I just boom conked out completely went to sleep wow and and I woke up sort of a couple times that night and yeah. I felt my uh, my sheets were sweaty uh, you know, right. Other people were sleeping and all that kind of stuff, but this was the most one of the most intense moments of my life. That those three hours, and later, I I asked my teacher, who is a brother-in-law again, what was going on? Why do you think I couldn't sleep? Why was I broken into a sweat? And he said, Oh, your your compound leader, the man who lives with you. He took off. He was with me at the prayer circle. He obviously did not bless the house. And he was gone for three hours. Did he do it on purpose? No, he just forgets. Okay. And, and I finally realized, oh, this is why this woman, his daughter, and right. all these other people go crazy and are screaming and, right. going and, and running out of the, home, the compound. Black magic is real. Uh -huh. Magic can enter your compound right. if you don't do the proper blessings. Who knows what will happen when you're gone? Sure. And I felt it. He was yeah, gone. You. I was going. I could have died that night. Yeah. Sweating crazy. I went. I, I'm. I'm happy. I'm alive. <laughs> and I never was able to talk with him about it. No. But we'll see you all. Yeah, goodbye. We're waving to our friends. Yeah. So it sounds like you had some kind of demonic attack. I if I would call it demons. Yeah. They call them they call them raksasa. Oh, say that again in the mic. They call them raksasa. Raksasa, raksasa are able to enter a compound in Indonesia if you if you don't bless the house. Okay. They don't. They can't make 
anyway, th it's very hard. There's a whole bunch of rules about what Raksasa can do and what they can't do. Right. And, and if you don't do the proper prayers, they can do anything. Wow. I experienced that. So what is your, uh, what warning do you have for people right now as far as people that are delving into magic in particular? Do you think there's a safe kind of magic? Oh, yes. That was black magic. Yes. There's white magic. Okay. The same people who can do the prayers mm -hmm. to uh, shield you from the black magic, right. shield you from the white magic. Wow. Uh, or, or, or bring, shield, uh, bring white mm -hmm. magic into your life. Help you with relationships, help you with healing, right. help you with. I, I also experienced the the healers, and you so did. the healers are, are one of the things that I'm so impressed with. Right. But for dra drama, black magic is the one that you have to rock sasa, and those guys. I want to thank our sponsor, Feral by Aaron, yet again. Now I've mentioned time, time again on the show that. Feral by Aaron is our one sponsor, but with a sponsor like this, you don't need any more because the fact is that these spirit tools actually work. And what do they work with? Well, they work with the elements of the earth and they're housed and built by an artisan out of the Olympic Peninsula, Aaron Jackson. Check out Feral by Aaron, E-R-Y-N at Etsy.com. Drums, rattles, smudge sticks, and coming soon, alchemy boxes. These are one of a kind, each one one of a kind. We're not talking about a factory here. And as two people told me, her instruments sing, in particular the drums. So check out Feral by Aaron. Give it a like, review, subscribe, share, go on the Instagram, and give it a little love. You may give it right back to you. Feral by Aaron at Etsy.com. Can you hear me now? That's a good way to start this interview. That's <laughs> the deep baritone voice of Ron Moorhead live from the Point Casino doing God's work. How are you doing, Ron? I'm doing fine. How do you hear me now? <laughs> we're, we're sitting here in the lobby of the Point Casino, and unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of aggressive attention rushing our table, but we want to take these opportunities to talk people about that know stuff about this area. People need to understand, I'm new. I moved up here from little old Eugene, brought my 16-foot long trailer with a leak in the bathroom on the roof, and I emptied out the septic tank, came in to Port Orchard, Washington, and here I sat until I met this lovely woman to my right and Ron Moorhead, who's basically my neighbor with Carrie in the town of Squim, so when we come to the casino, it's literally like a 45-minute drive for both of us to come here. No big deal, but we're putting on an event. And since I'm new in town, I need to lean on people that know something about this town. In particular, Port Orchard, Washington at the Manresa Castle. Port Townsend. Port Townsend, Washington. Excuse me. See, that's how new I am. There's, a, there's ports everywhere, right? There's port. Port, oh, port Gamble. Uh, right. It's a port town. So Port Towns in Washington, excuse me, at the Manresa Castle. We were invited to do a live podcast there. We're calling it the Podcastle. I know that's a really bad pun. <laughs> so it's Strange Brow Presents Podcastle Live. It's going to be on October 25th. That's a Friday night, folks, from 7 to about 10 or 11 at night, a free show. 
and Ron has agreed to be a part of this along with Carrie. And so you know Port Townsend, you know things about Manresa Castle. What can we... Well, I bought a big a Victorian home there. I would advise anybody to never do that. <laughs> but uh, the house was uh, haunted. It had a story of a ghost uh, from the neighbor we knew. And uh, actually, so is Manresa Castle, because we stayed there while we was buying this house, just down the street from it. And uh, anyway, the castle's got quite a history of ghosts, which we didn't know when we were staying there until one morning when we got up. Uh, we had to ask about this noise we heard next to us. And it was a winter time, and uh, the guy said, well, no one stayed on that wing of the, uh, no one stayed on that side but you guys. And we found out that that was the ghost room. <laughs> we started our next, yeah, having a good time, we thought. Well, that's where the owner's daughter committed or jumped out the window. And uh, she was engaged to the guy who, the colonel, who was living in the house that we ended up buying. This was in the 30s. And he ended up uh, killing himself when he found out he had diabetes. And diabetes in those days, I guess, was a, a death sentence. And he was a very proud man, according to the woman that lived not too far from there, who actually knew him. And uh, so anyway, it's uh, kind of an interesting story because we had a few things happen in the house. But... Uh, main thing is a castle, you know, that's the, the people are seeing or hearing the ghosts there quite often. And uh, so it's uh, it's an interesting, be an interesting evening you have there. Toby okay, explain, exp Very happy thank you there. for coming too. Explain to people just how much of a castle vibe this gives off. I mean, it is a hotel. It did have, it was a monastery before that, but it is every bit of a castle look to it, correct? Yes, oh, absolutely. Jesuit priests had it uh, also. Uh, you know, that was the monastery you're talking about. And uh, it's been there a long time. I uh, forgot now the guy's name that bought or got a hold of it. And his, it was his daughter that, uh, that supposedly is still roaming the castle because she died there. And uh, so we don't know, but there's a. You talk to any employee that's been there very long and they, they have a story about it. <laughs> The and did, yeah, so you had specific experience in Port Townsend, also at the castle there. But then you mentioned, and we'll get into this more with Sarah Nash, who's a psychic medium who's going to show up at the castle. We usually actually worked at the front desk at the castle for a period of years. She mentioned something about a weird antenna at the top of the castle. What do you know about that? All I know is what she told me, so it'd be good if she told you about that, because there's some kind of antenna that uh, doesn't belong to any technology we know, but uh, something goes with that. That, that, uh, that that's kind of an interesting story. She'd like to talk about it. Maybe it got something to do with time traveling. I'll just leave a travel travel. Yeah, but uh, what's your opinion on yeah. time travel? Well, time doesn't exist, you know, according to quantum physics. We just all have to live in the now on a linear timeline and. If you can get out of this dimension, you can, you just, everything's in the now. You can see backwards, you can see forward, because there is no backwards or forward, so to speak. Uh, this is according to quantum physics, according to Stephen Hawkins, according to Einstein. Uh, it's all part of mathematics or quantum physics. And that's hard for a lot of people to get their head around, because they're, they're stuck in Newtonian physics. Everything is measurable and predictable and material or physical and... Uh, that's not true. There's more going on. We live in a three-dimensional environment, and uh, 
it's hard to get out of that sometimes, but there are other dimensions existing, and that's where I think ghosts come in because they're in a caught in between somewhere that's all energy. Everything is energy, Toby, everything. And uh, if you can catch the frequency of that energy, you can, you can move matter. And uh, I, I get into my book, Quantum Bigfoot, says uh, bringing science and spirituality back together. Not together, but back together. Because quire, prior to Darwin's theory of, uh, of evolution, uh, science and, and spirituality were kind of all considered what we are. But once Darwin came out, oh, no, we're just physical beings, blank, 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 that's all it is. That separated it from the religious world, which I'm not religious, but we're all spiritual beings, whether you like it or not. You're all energy. The most minute level of existence, we are energy. And that's what ghosts are doing. That's what the interdimensional beings are doing. And I think that's where Bigfoot falls into some of this stuff. Some of them. I'm not sure all Bigfoots are the same. They've been diluted down, I think, some of them from crossbreeding with indigenous people. And anyway, I can go on forever. I want you to, and I want I, w- <laughs> I want you to explain real quickly before we close. On the left side of you, you brought your skulls from Peru. And then if you go to Ron's booth, uh, he'll be having it here at the Point Casino when he has his event coming up, which is actually going to be October 11th and 12th. He'll be a speaker along with five other people on the panel. And you're going to have your Peruvian or the Paracas skulls? Paracas. Okay. That's where they're... They're, they're reconstructions, though. They are. Okay. They are. They won't let you take right. them out. So. But we took a forensic uh, reconstruction. Mm-hmm. One of the best in the world. The best in the world, yeah. Uh, Joe Taylor. And uh, I've been down there a couple times on a couple different expeditions. And the, uh, the census is, the, the feeling is, because these are so different. They are not Incas who cradleboarded. The long, elongated skulls are naturally elongated. And they have no sagittal suture, which means we have two parietals, one on each side of our head. These things don't have that. It's one single parietal with no sagittal suture. And uh, you can see that. In the way. I have a baby skull here that we reconstructed. We took that right out of the mummified state, uh, documented it all. And so it's no, there's no suture in that either. And it's elongated. It actually found them inside mother's wombs where they're elongated. Wait, wait, so wait, wait, wait. Yes, yes, yes. Wait, wait. <laughs> that is a really important point. It is. It that's is. a huge point. Well, everybody says, oh, that's the Incas in uh, cradle boarding or cranial deformation, they call it. But no, no. I mean, so yeah, the Incas did. Well, Incas, Incas really did do that, but they were trying to mimic, we think. They were trying to mimic the attributes that this pre-Inca culture had, which was responsible for the megalithic structures that are down there, uh, these huge big boulders over 100 tons moving up on this huge mountain, 14,000 foot high, and constructed like a jigsaw puzzle, and there's no mortar I get your them. point, Ron, but I was talking about the skeptics. Where do they go from the fact that there's a baby in the womb with an elongated head if they're saying cradle boarding is the answer? That's no longer the answer. Well, that's not the answer. And uh, I think a guy named Brian Forrester, who lives down in Paracas, Peru, knows more about this than just about anybody I know. And anybody down there, really, he's a perfect person to go to for these answers. He's written books on it. But uh, people, once they get enlightened on what's really down there and see it with their own eyes, like I have a couple different times on these expeditions, and it just opens your mind up to knowing that there's things things <laughs> going on here before us. We're not the top of the uh, 
of the food chain. Right and now. they are extremely large, like the the very large paracta skulls that they have in some of the museums there, which are kind of like little clay huts, some of them behind lucite glass. You'll see these giant, giant heads with giant eye sockets, giant teeth. You've seen these as well. I have, yeah. In, in Inca, Peru, it's a, it's a place where they got a huge museum there, and they got some of the big elongated skulls there. And again, again, no sigil suture. Right in the back of their head, you'll see these two little pinpoints, which we don't know what that is. Nerve endings or I don't know what it is, but it's just different. So running along the back of the head, there's two holes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're in the models there. And these yeah. models are extremely realistic. You cannot tell that from what I've seen in these documentaries. The jaws are open. The teeth are all there. The little tiny uh, growth plates on the side of the head are there. There's even like hair attached, it looks like, and skin attached to mm -hmm. some? Well, that was out of the mummified state. We actually unwrapped it. We got permission to do that from the owner of it. And the skulls are, the waqueros down there, which are grave robbers, they call them. They, they go around to these graves, and uh, when they can get through them without getting caught, they dig out all the uh, artifacts, trying to find jewelry, trying to find whatever, and they find these type skulls. They sell them, sell them to a museum or sell them to somebody who wants them. And th that's where they, they are. There's a lot of them down there. But now they've got these cemeteries, uh, graveyards, where they've got them protected. And uh, y the royalty were buried there, and some of these long days ago. So you, you can't even get in there to take pictures or anything. Uh, but the other cemeteries, I went to one that was like seven miles long. It was just huge. It's really an old area down there. And um, you just see these holes with a mound next to it, holes with a mound. That's where the Waqueros, <laughs> the grave robbers, have dug into them and uh, took out what they thought was valuable. And you got to, even no matter what your religious perspective is or your worldview, it would help you to watch, um, it would help you to watch a documentary called The Watcher Series by Ellie Marzulli. Marzu Marzu yeah. And if you watch these documentaries, I think you can find them on YouTube for free. You can see the clips with Ron in there. And uh, L.A. does a really great job at showing some of the grave robbing scenes that you're talking about where vast dunes, right, long desert stretches filled with artifacts that have been looted, just strewn across the desert here. I mean, there's like uh, leather slings from God knows when and bones sticking out in jaws. And it's just, <laughs> it's yeah. So true. It's so sad yeah. in a way because they've been desiccated. Decimated, Des decimated yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I That's feel a little decimated. We've been here for 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. The, the but, uh, anyway, it's quite a better area to visit. That's the lower right. elevation, close to the ocean, Paracas is. You get up in the high country up where uh, Machu Picchu is and Ulantampando. That's where you get on the train to go to Machu Picchu. There's all those artifacts are up there, too. But they're not in museums. They're just like we went out and actually found a, a local, that, a young guy that would take us to where the slide was. And we got into a tomb. and pull out these skeletons but again it's all being filmed because I was with LA months ago so we put everything back which is the right thing to do uh, we're not what Carl's herself <laughs> we did not robbing anything but it's quite an adventure you see those areas uh, all over that uh, upper country where it's like uh, well Cusco where we fly into out of Lima Peru is uh, I think 12,000 feet high itself you know so it's a uh, it's quite an area. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great area. And if you want to hear more about it, you have an opportunity to hear Ron's Moorhead perspective on something other than Sasquatch. 
You can hear him talk about his ghost encounters in person. You can see these elongated skulls that he had recreated from Peru. Hear the stories from Sarah Nash, a psychic medium who actually worked at the Manresa Castle and knows all about its supposed, maybe, dark history. We'll also have some surprises, possibly from Skinwalker Ranch, and uh, a co another couple surprises as well. So it's a free event. It's going to go from about 7 to 11, maybe later. It's a weekend event, actually. Go online, see if you want to be a part of October 25th and 26th. That's a ticketed event. I believe it's a costume party at the castle. Get your res reservations now. Ron is also going to be speaking on Friday and Saturday, October 11th and 12th at the Sasquatch Symposium, the second annual. The first one was a big hit. Yeah. Which surprised the casino. They've never done it before. Can we talk a little <laughs> bit about how underprepared maybe some of these people are for the love and affection that comes Bigfoot's way? Because it always astounds me that they haven't caught on yet. They haven't. So many of them have it. They don't realize the public's awareness of this uh, subject matter. And the people come out of the woodwork that, that are interested in this because they've had an encounter or they've had a relative that's had an encounter or they've seen you know something that's just unusual. And there is something unusual about the phenomenon, and I love it because it's been my life, what I've been doing for 50 years now, and since I encountered a family of them. And it's just, uh, I've written a couple of books, as you know, and uh, I get into the mysteries. I've interviewed people uh, all over, and I think I'm putting it together with the dots, and I join it with the, the science, which is quantum physics. And you have some private projects going on in the background, but I wanted to first mention Quantum Bigfoot, your last book, Voices in the Wilderness. You also have your CDs. Now, can they get those CDs with the book? Does the, do your sounds come with the book as well, Ron? There is, it sounds, I, in my chronicle, Voices in the Wilderness, I, I talk about the years I've gone through this, and when I get to the sounds that we've heard and recorded, you can hear the sound on a CD that comes with the book. These two CDs are separate. They're narrated about 40 minutes long each. One of them by Jonathan Frakes, Star Trek Next Generation. And it's Alberry's story, very uh, aggressive sounds that we had to start with when we were first encountering these things in our eight mile in the wilderness camp, Osiris camp. And uh, the ne next one is one that Alberry uh, encouraged me to write, which is my story. And that's the one that comes with the CD. I mean, excuse me, that is the CD that I narrate. You've got the voice for narration. You should be doing this podcast. Uh, <laughs> what's going on privately? You have some things in the works now, too. Uh, not really, until it's actually something signed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got an agent which is working on my behalf, trying to get me involved in some things. But he's being very careful with it, because I won't just be a, another Finding Bigfoot guy, you know, who's out looking for one beating on trees. That's not what it's all about for me. And people can find you in a new documentary. You're towards the tail end, which they kind of save the best for the last. And I guess oh, thank you. <laughs> saying uh, congratulations to David Polites, he doesn't really need a congratulations, but I think it was actually really brave of him to do his documentary, Hunter Missing 411, which you can download for like 4.99 on iTunes. And he takes a really investigative look at what's happening with missing people all over these national parks and elsewhere. But towards the end of this one, he really went down the rabbit hole, and he did so starting with you. Well, it took quite a bit for him to talk me into 
letting him go up there. I've never taken a filming person up there before who wanted to document it. I've very rarely does anybody find that camp. In fact, you don't find it unless, uh, unless somebody knows where it says takes you. And uh, it's eight miles in the wilderness and the closest place you can drive to. And it, it's really inaccessible by anything other than foot or horseback. So, uh, yeah, he went up there. He did, a, I think, a pretty good job. I monitored maybe 15 minutes. I needed this uh, 401. A lot of good, uh, a lot of good compliments on the on the film. He did a great job. I'm very, very happy with what he, how it turned out. And it does get into the enigmas, some of the enigmas associated with that camp, and the very the lady that follows me in that. Oh yeah, know, doctor. Is it? Uh, it's Maccabees. Who? Maccabees. Doctor Maccabees' wife. Right. That blew my mind. Oh, and that's what Bruce Maccabees' wife. Playing, right. Yeah. Carrie, my wife, has seen that very same thing. It's a very, and couple that was how they reenacted some of the one of the mysteries that we encountered up there a couple of years back. Um, that light going through the forest. This is an episode. I mean, this is like Star Wars stuff that we're getting into <laughs> at this point. Yeah, and uh, you know, people think, well, he's he's having too much of something to drink or something, but that's. You know, that's what David gets into, showing people just what it takes to get into that camp. His filmer did a real good job. Just the two of them went in with me, and Scott Nelson went in, the crypto-linguist. He's been there before with me, trying to recapture some sounds if they trust him, which they don't. They always kill his batteries or something. <laughs> but um, anyway, we went in. And, yeah, uh, and even Scott put David, his neck out by being in that documentary with you, knowing that you were going to discuss these anomalous lights. Well, you know, I've been speaking with Scott off and on for years now since he studied this. Uh, uh, and we're talking about uh, Scott R. Nelson, cryptolinguist, helped Ron as a cryptolinguist from the Navy figure out that there was language and there was a morphine stream attached to it to dictate a language, but go ahead. It also goes out of the human range, you know, which is very unique, I think. And it takes a, a hyoid bone in your throat to uh, attach to your tongue to create language, and only humans are supposed to have that attachment. They will all have a hyoid bone, but I mean, all primates do, but they're not able to speak because their their nerve endings aren't attached to that the way ours are. And uh, these things have that. Whatever they are, they have that feature. And I personally think they've been here longer than we have. <laughs> you know, they've uh, evolved maybe a little bit further. They, I believe, uh, may could be, anyway, interdimensional, some of them. And I say that because uh, there's been so many reports of them disappearing, so many reports like this lady was just talking about in the 411 film who saw this image. Uh, it's just, it's just the predator. Image. I mean, really, that's what they're describing. Yeah, that's what yeah. call, uh, call it that. It's just there it goes. We'll wait for the housekeeping to go by. They've got a job to do here, folks. We're in the middle of a busy, uh, well, not so busy hotel lobby at this point. But I want to thank you too, Ron, just as from a guy to another guy here for always being a straight shooter about the weirder stuff because it's hard to come by just in general, let alone in this field where you seem to be risking everything by talking about this stuff publicly. And you kind of taught me, hey, it's not about you anyway. Don't worry about it. This happens to everybody. Just tell people what you've seen. Say what it is. You know, we're not going to be here forever. And maybe somebody can learn from, glean from something you've done or something that's happened. Maybe it'll help them. That's what it's all about, is trying to, trying to make things better. And if people can just open their minds, and I, I really 
encourage that everywhere I go and open your mind to knowing that there's things existing that you don't see that's outside of our perception, our visual perception. And we only see within the light's frequency. Right? But there's a whole lot of things going on outside of that. All right. Well, we're going to close up here. Ron's got some fans that want to say hi to him. I've got to go to the bathroom. Again, that's October 25th from about 7 to 11. Free event, Manresa Castle, Port Townsend, Washington. Ron will be there in tow with uh, some other amazing people. Live interview. Don't miss it. And don't forget, October 11th and 12th at the Point Casino in Kingston, Ron will be doing a conference here along with some other amazing speakers. And Biggie, come to the hotel and see Biggie, the Sierra Sasquatch I built for Ron. It's in the main lobby. You can't miss eight and a half feet of fur. I couldn't. All right, we're here today with director Ron Meyer, who's finishing up his documentary. I think the working title is Alien Bigfoot. It's your second go around looking into the Bigfoot inquiry. Indeed. Yeah. Let me just get your audio up there just a bit okay, more. Okay. I can get go. closer. There we go. Yeah. Just That's hold better. It right there. And we're here at the Point Casino today with Ron Moorhead and his wife Carrie Campbell in front of the Biggie statue yet again. We're doing our official, I guess, book signing here at the casino. And while things are slowed down for the moment here, I thought I'd talk to you, Ron. Well, I just talked to you and interviewed you. You did. You were down at the Al Moon property in Cottage Grove. You shot some footage with Tom Powell regarding the mysterious goings-on down there and walked away with some interesting footage. We did indeed. Yeah. It was, for the most part, though, pretty darn quiet. And I, I was kind of hopeful that more things would happen while you were down there. But you walked away with some EVPs, I would say. What, it, what would you call what happened? Well, we, we put our, my co-producer into the garage with his camera, and we were outside filming the setup you have out there, which I think is a, there's a, um, a speaker outside that's connected to some sort of recording device inside. Mm -hmm. And so we had two cameras rolling, two different audio, audios going, and uh, you might describe what goes on in there? It's like clacking, and how would you describe what goes on there? Well, I would describe it as a type of clacking as well. Um, it's definitely beyond clacking, but you caught the uh, infamous bangs, hits, and shuffles. We caught him with my co-producer. He was inside the shed. Right. And he was, his camera was rolling and recording sound, and we picked it up clearly. You could s hear it clearly. We could hear it in the playback. He pointed to where it was coming from, right. which was a corner in the garage. Mm -hmm. And we also, he, he described a feeling of chill coming over him at certain moments. Mm -hmm. And so we have not only visual in two situations, but we have audio for which we can look at the waveform. And we can see slight variations from the two camera setups, one inside, one outside. What to make of it, you tell me. <laughs> Right, right. And the story goes on from there as far as objects moving and being placed in weird places and mysterious ladies' voices, mysterious men's voices. You walked away with something that interfered with your sound. Talk a bit about that. We, w when I was inside the garage myself, I was cut off from my audio feed, which was outside. Mm -hmm. My camera was, uh, was, was 
Well, we had a wireless mic that was hooked up to my camera, which I took inside the garage to in case something showed up. It was very dark and I couldn't see anything. And so when I was in there, there was there was there was nothing going on. My ambient mic was was inter was blocked from recording anything because I had the wireless plugged in, but it wasn't picking up anything. We were too far away and we were in a metal building. So it was just a mild 60-cycle hum. You listen to it. Mm -hmm. And at some point, a little crackle occurred, and then a larger crackle occurred, and then something that sounded like, to me, some sort of animal. Or How would you describe it? You listen to it. My initial impression is it sounded kind of hellish because it sounded like many uh, vocals or screams happening at once, but... I listened to it again, and it sounds like a faraway howl or cry of some kind. The interesting thing is that technically it's impossible for that to happen because mm -hmm. there's no way that anything could be recorded. That's all I can say. It's just so technically it impossible. Technically impossible is a pretty important part of this conversation. Yes. Okay. Because there was, there's just no way that audio should be getting into the onto the audio track. So, and I asked you earlier, and I didn't hear your explanation fully, what about it being some kind of artifact from a CB or background scatter from an airplane or other frequency, broadband, shortwave, whatever? Well, it would be picking it up from, from the microphone outside, mm -hmm. which is the external you know, device. Okay. And then it would still have to be communicated to the receiver right? In that's attached to the camera, which is right next to it. Right. So, again, I don't know how it could be that loud. Okay. Now, when Alan, who's also your son-in-law, went home, him and his wife, before he left, he ended up buying one of these Native American shaman-inspired spirit tools. In this case, he bought a drum from us that was infused right. with reported Sasquatch hair from Cottage Grove, and he ended up getting some kind of female voices upstairs near where the drum was. Did he explain that to you? He told me about it. Okay. Freaked him out a bit. <laughs> but both, both his wife and my daughter heard him separately at different times. Right. One upstairs, one downstairs. One time upstairs, one time downstairs. Okay, let's talk about what happened right before you showed up here. On the way here... Must I? Well, I think it'd be... A, I think it, unless you feel uncomfortable, we don't have to. That's okay. Okay. So you had something interesting happen on the way here. Let's, for the record, explain what you saw. So I'm driving from Port Angeles to where are we? We're in Kingston. Kingston, Washington, yeah. The Point and Casino Hotel. I went to a town called Squim. Mm-hmm. And I'm driving along pretty fast, and off to the left, across the highway from from where I was driving, heading on the edge of that highway, heading up a, I would say, a secondary road, was something that was large. My first impression was, holy shit, a big wolf. And then I realized I've seen wolves before. It was much, probably one and a half times bigger than a wolf. And it, it was moving fluidly, it seemed to kind of move upright. And of course, I'm moving pretty fast along the highway, and I could no longer look back without causing traffic mm -hmm. problems. And uh, it was pure white. 
Okay, that's the telling part right there because most dogs, I mean, you have a few breeds of dogs that are all white that are extremely large, like sheep dogs and whatnot. And um, you feel like what you saw was a sheep dog? Not at all. A polar bear? No. Okay, a man in a sheet? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The fluidity of movement was something I had never seen before. That's all I can say. Yeah. All right. Well, you're in the right area because, as I was explaining to you before, about an hour before you showed up, I was taking a witness account here at the casino from a local native who grew up knowing and actually seeing a white Sasquatch. And I didn't mention that to you. You showed up with your own little story. So synchronicity at, at play, I guess. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it, but pretty interesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Weird that it should happen as I'm coming here to, <laughs> to get a few more interviews. Yeah. Now, you're, you're into this link that there's other things going on with Bigfoot. You talk about it uh, in your films that you're doing right now. You're focusing primarily on it. You're doing a show called Alien Bigfoot, and you have some pretty big names attached to this, some of them that have unfortunately passed on. But talk about this film and talk about some of the guests you've interviewed. It's, it's going to be a movie. Um, it's going to come out by a, a distribution company called Jensen Media. Uh, we, we have the last on-camera interview with Stanton Friedman, mm -hmm. who's the best-known UFOologist that's ever been around. Right. And Rosemary Gilley, who's probably the largest, the number one, was the number one proponent of uh, non-mechanical craft contact, direct contact, but she draws a parallel to Kundalini experiences awakening experiences that what they're trying to do is wake up people and she kind of goes along with the idea of Tom Powell who has this idea of habituation that these whatever these things are they'll have one little contact and then another contact and then another contact right so that you get comfortable with it before they will pass on what they think what the communication is and she her idea was that they don't talk to you they don't tell you stories it awakens something in you as a human being that allows you to see a larger perspective and change how you are and how you react to the world. So a, a personalized experience, we talked about this tailor-made theory that this is basically a personal tailor-made experience of some kind. And so you're focusing in mainly on those kind of reports? My, in the documentary feature has made is the idea that we're moving towards some sort of what I call a singularity, some sort of transformational event where all these types of contact are coming to a head in some way that will change things. Mm -hmm. Perhaps it's the uh, artificial intelligence explosion that's occurring. We'll have our first encounter with a, with a non-human intelligence that mm -hmm. may or may not be conscious, but, um, mm -hmm. and, and as, as you know, there's the Drake equation that basically has been updated and there's probably half a billion possible worlds now. Right. And and then there was Fermi's paradox, you know, Rico Fermi, one of the founders of the atomic bomb, ha asked this question, they should be here, where are they? Mm -hmm. And and how, how could they be here? And John von Neumann, who was one of his buddies at Los Alamos, came up with this idea that if they had a head start, the way they would do it is that they wouldn't they wouldn't send biological things out into space to explore. Right. They would send what he called robots, von Neumann robots, and they would 
start from whatever the home base was. And as they traveled, they would stop at places, get new resources, and evolve. They'd always be evolving. And if they had a 200 million year advance on us, they could cover the whole galaxy by now. So they should be here. And they probably are here. It's just that, you know, we're, whatever reason, what they're up to, we don't know. No guesses? My guess is they're pushing us towards the singularity. Okay. So the normal, like Stanton, his idea is that we're too fucked up of a nasty group of people to, to, uh, to deal with right now. But I'm not quite so pessimistic in that regard. But we are kind of messy, a bunch of tribal people still in, you know, you flush bodies that determine a lot of who we are and why we ha behave the way we do. The need to be in a way that any kind of robot thing would not have, have motivating them. What's the most ca compelling case that you uh, came across to prove your theory that this is basically nanotech of some kind and that the Sasquatch has uh, robotic attributes? Have you taken cases of people that have seen them download, upload lights attached to their bodies, or what have you heard? Nothing like that. I mean, most, most of the people think that they have what, for better word, could be called interdimensional capabilities. Mm -hmm. they, 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 they exist in some way on, in a plane that's different than ours. They don't have physical bodies. They're probably not technological either, in the normal sense of nuts and bolts. Right. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a kind of, whatever it is, it's a kind of thing that's beyond us right at the moment. But if you look at artificial intelligence, there are no nuts and bolts there, there are no bodies there in any way, right? Right. So in some ways, they're kind of weird in that sense. <laughs> um, and they're, you know, they're getting smarter all the time. And they're evolving, self-learning. Um, so you know, they're, they're very different than we are. You know, it's a question, could, could they have experience? Could they be conscious without a body? Some say yes, some say no. Right. You have a book coming out too uh, along the same line, Bigfoot Singularity. It Talk is. a little bit about that book. The premise in there is that Bigfoot are a non-human intelligence that's been here gathering information and evolving for a long time. Mm -hmm. Stanton Friedman said they're doing the heavy lifting for something else. And at the same time, you know, parallel to that is, a, is another form of non-human intelligence, which is artificial intelligence. Right. And so the story is that the Bigfoot clans are moving to produce, they, I have it that they re reproduce by something like 3D printing. They don't, they're not biological, totally biologically based like us. Right. And so, but they do have to go through a growth and education period to have young and grow up. And so they're doing, a, they're doing a new kind of 3D printing. They're bringing four or five clan members that have been gathering information from different parts of the world together to combine all that information and create a new kind of Bigfoot mm -hmm. that's evolved into a different way. Sorry, I've got a Bigfoot statue here with a park sign that's kind of tenuously attached. We wouldn't want it to uh, fall on you and that would be the end of you. Yeah. Live interview death. <laughs> right, right, right. You don't, you don't need that guy falling on you. And then, uh, so w when is this book looking to come out? First of November. Oh, really? Okay, great. A couple months away. Yeah. That's fantastic. And so Bigfoot Singularity. You can buy it on pre-buy it on Amazon right now. 
Really? Yeah. Okay. Or great. Barnes and Noble, if you feel kinder to the right, the old right. bookstore that's barely well, surviving. It's a dying business right now. Will it be on online too as a digital read? Absolutely. Download it for your Kindle. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Every every way. A possible spinoff or a book coming yeah, out. We got a follow up. Okay. What happens to the to the young baby Bigfoot that's grown up now five years later? Right. And uh, that's probably all I'll say right now. Okay. All right. The rest is hush hush. All right. Well, we're here with Ron Meyer once again. Check out his doc coming out, Alien Bigfoot, Chasing Bigfoot, which you can already download on uh, Amazon Prime. Yes. And then his book, uh, The um, Singularity, Bigfoot, Bigfoot Singularity. Bigfoot Singularity. Bigfoot Singularity. All right. Great. All right. Thanks for stopping by. You got it. And thanks, everybody, for listening, stopping by, and tuning in. Remember, the show doesn't exist without your ears, and now your eyeballs at YouTube. Check out the previous episodes. Try to get up there one a day and upload that for the spectator. Alert, bell, subscribe, rate, blah, blah, blah. You know the routine. All right, Manresa Castle, October 26th. You got to go check it out. You got to be a part of something amazing. Should be a lot of fun. I hope you got the sense of that when I was talking to Ron. That'll be interesting to get him to go on record about something off the beaten path and down the ectoplasmic road at the Manresa Castle, 25th and 26th. Cool. All right, that's it. Have a good weekend or whatever you're doing. Take care of business. And I will see you in the trees.